You're listening to a North Valley Community Church podcast. For more information and resources, visit us online at northvalleychurch.org. All right, guys. Well, it's fun being with uh, you this morning. Happy Fourth of July weekend. Uh, my name is Ryan. For those of you that are new, I'm, I uh, serve as a lead pastor here at the church, and we are in a new teaching series called Barriers, where we're going to be walking through uh, just some of the highlights of the book of Acts and moving along in, a, in this teaching series and asking the question, what's holding us back from growing in a vibrant relationship with Jesus Christ and fulfilling the vision and the mission that he has for us as Christians, but also as a church? And as we look this morning, what I want to talk to you about is the organizational barrier that the early church faces. Uh, I, I think this is pretty interesting. I think... Uh, is this, is you can read along, and if you're clever and smart, you might have caught a typo. Check for it. As an organization grows and becomes more complex, leaders will be faced with challenges to, it should say, to assess and to adjust. Leader must uh, reorganize, revamp, and restructure to better address current needs and move the mission forward. Failure to effectively organize will result in dysfunction and ultimately death of the organization. Um, so here's where we're at at North Valley, spotting some of our weaknesses, is, uh, you know, as a church, we're moving up on two years of having owned this campus, and uh, as a church, we planted this church uh, five years ago this September, and over this last year, we have seen some exponential growth, and it's presented a lot of challenges as a church. Over this last year, we've had 40% growth in our church, um, we are uh, at a church size of about 450 people at North Valley. There's about 300 on average over last year that gathered weekly. Uh, we had 68 people um, profess faith in Jesus Christ. And that presents a lot of opportunities for discipleship. And the reality is, is we're overloaded. Uh, I meet with new believers all the time. And we're at a spot in a position where we've got to reorganize our leadership and ask lay leaders to begin to serve at higher levels to best minister to the needs. We had 28 people baptized over this uh, last even just a uh, few months, and now we're at a position where we're asking the question, God, we don't want to hold back whatever you want to do. But the reality is, is what we're going to see in the, in the text this morning. If you've got a Bible, you go ahead and open it up. It's Acts chapter 6. I'm going to talk to you about the, the, the organizational barrier that the early church faced. When they began to grow in exponential measures, there was a uh, problems that arose out of that growth, and it was really an organizational barrier that they needed to figure out how to uh, overcome, revamp, restructure. Uh, first thing I want to talk about this morning is, as it's very plain to see, we're going to see in the text this morning, as the church grows, so, so uh, do the needs of the church. It's very apparent. It says in the beginning of Acts chapter 6, verse 1, it says, Now in these days when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows are being neglected in the daily distribution. There was a, there was a reality where the early church filled the need within the Roman uh, culture, uh, the Roman world, where they served much like a, a welfare system or a, uh, a giving a caring and needy for the people in between. There was uh, a strong division and gap between the upper class and the lower class, and the Christians came in and ministered to all the poor and the needy. And the poor and the needy have always been close to God's heart. 
the orphans and the widows from the beginning. Uh, God calls on believers to care for the most vulnerable people in society. It says in these days, the disciples were increasing. That means more and more people were beginning to follow Jesus. They, they begin to see the church um, really what this time was gathering as, as a crowd of people and then dispersing into local houses to more like house churches. And there was a lot of needs. It says increasing in number, Luke, the historian, is giving account as to what's happening in the life of the early church. And he's off the bat in, implying that there's a problem. There's some kind of problem that he's going to address, and he uses this language of increasing a number to give the descriptor that there's just some significant growth that's going on. And then it says, a complaint by the Hellenists. The Hellenists were Greek-speaking Jewish people that were outside of Jerusalem, come to faith in Christ, move into the city, if you will, but there's a language barrier. It would be like for many uh, people that even at our church, we've had Latinos that have come in and they have uh, uh, their first language is, is Spanish. And, and so assimilating into the church is not always easy if English is not your first language. Here, the first language was Aramaic by many of the uh, church leaders at this time. It says, in, in these days, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews. The Hebrews were the natives. They were the people that could speak the Aramaic language along with the, the leaders. And so they were being cared for, not out of favoritism necessarily, but out of practicality. Imagine the church grows tremendously. And then we have in our church people that don't speak English. And we have natural barriers to overcome in order to minister to them. One is the language barrier. Um, if you can't speak the language, it's really difficult. And so there's this uh, complaint that begins, and they, the, the, the Hellenist, uh, non, the non-native speakers are feeling overlooked. And it arose against the Hebrews and because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. The Hellenists uh, were feeling like they were being left out, and the reality was as they were. And we're going to see that as any church grows, so do the needs. At North Valley, you know, I mean, I was just thinking through the needs that I've addressed in the last six months. We've had, uh, you know, discouraged and, and challenged uh, challenges in all these areas where single people are trying to figure out what in the world, how do I, who do I marry? What job do I take? Uh, what's my next step to grow as a man or a woman of God? For married couples, we just did a wedding here recently. I've been ministering to folks in that area. They're, they're just starting their marriage. Or those that are in the married category, but they feel like they need to hit the reset button and start over and redo things and restructure things in their life. We've had, uh, we've had folks that have gone home to be with the Lord, you know, and that, that takes a lot. And, and, and uh, we've had new babies born in the church and we've had weddings and baptisms and people come to faith in Christ and new believers and all of that's good but it's like this this is kind of the present state of North Valley right now imagine this is the table of our leadership of our church right here and then I come and I begin to pour sand onto the table and for so long I could pour some sand on this table but if we keep pouring sand on it it's not going to hold the, the sand will pour off and the reality is, is we just need a bigger table. We need, we need more leaders involved to care for all, pe- for all the people in the church. It's exactly what's going on in this church. There's some legitimate needs that need to be addressed. And the apostles, 
These are the 12 that have walked with Jesus, known Jesus, and they are establishing the first church that will move forward for mission's sake to make the name and fame of Jesus all throughout the world. Second observation is this, is that leaders listen and clarify the problem quickly. Leaders listen. If, if uh, in our church, we, you know, we want to listen to any complaint that arises because ultimately we care. It, these are shepherd leaders. These are ministers that they listen. They, they listen and they clarify the problem quickly. And the 12 summoned the full number of the disciples and said, it's not right that we should give up preaching the word to serve tables. Now, at first glance, you're thinking that sounds kind of arrogant. We, we shouldn't serve tables just, you know, but we really need to just be focused on preaching the word. Really what they're, they're implying here is that they realize there is a mandate upon their life as leaders to establish the local church. And all throughout the book of Acts, and I love this, is when church growth is mentioned, the word of God is right beside it. And that is incredibly important. Growing churches always are accompanied with strong word-centered ministries. Good news about the good news of Jesus Christ, not simply good works. And so these apostles, are, they're listening. They stop and they, they acknowledge it's not right. Something's not right here that we should give up preaching the word to serve tables alone. That means serving the, the needs of people. Uh, very likely at this time, there was just a, uh, the church was gathering day by day. I mean, not just on Sunday. They were gathering all the time. And it says, therefore, brothers, look what they do. They, they accommodate. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the Spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. They immediately see that there's a problem. They acknowledge it. They're not dismissing it and saying we should preach the word and forget about the poor and needy in our church, those who are, you know, extra grace required, needed, or whatever be the case. They're just saying, hey, we can't give up the ministry of the good news of the gospel just for good works. Good churches do both. They do good news ministry where the preaching and teaching is very central. You know, each of our classrooms in, in North Valley Kids, it's so important that you guys realize that in a given year, we walk through the entire Bible with your child from a Christ-centered perspective. And, and so it's an incredible experience. This teaching of the good news is so important, and they don't want to give it up, but they realize that there's, a, there's just social needs in the church, emotional needs that need to be handled and ministered to. So they appoint for this duty. That word appoint is the same kind of word and um, idea that's mentioned of Joshua by Moses' successor in Numbers 27. Or when Moses appoints judges uh, over the people of Israel, that idea, they, they need to appoint some people. This morning, I want to encourage you, here's where we're going to end. If you've got a program, tear it off. I want you to fill out, maybe suggest a couple of men and women that are godly, and they, have a, they just have an influence in your life or in the church's life, and you know it, and they need to be appointed. And so here's what happens is what we see is that uh, the third observation is this, is that people closest to the problem become part of the solution. That's what the, uh, that's what the apostles suggested. No better person to help solve the problems in the church than the people that are among the people to help solve that, he says, therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and, uh, and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. Um, the people closest to the problem. He's in challenging the Hellenists, the Greek speaking, the people that have made the complaint to be 
get, get to work. Help us solve the problem, they're saying. We want to solve this problem. We don't want to overlook any needs of the people. The whole life of the church ought to be a place where people can come in and feel accepted and known and loved and cared for and ministered to. We say at North Valley, North Valley is like a hospital for hurting people. Some of you are coming in and you just need to be cared for like a hospital does. For some of you, you're walking into North Valley, you're strong and you're healthy and you're ready to rock and roll for whatever reason. And this is a training center for you. You'd be trained in ministry and missions. And for some of you, you're ready just to get to work and do good work. And it's like a lighthouse. And we're going to shine the light of Jesus Christ all throughout this valley and you're ready to go. But here what we have is the church is needing to be like a hospital. And they say, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. This idea uh, to pick out means in the Greek to choose or select on the basis of having investigated very carefully. To select carefully is to choose after careful investigation. Can I ask for your help? To help me minister to all the needs of the people as we've grown over 40% this last year. Would you help me carefully select even today of men and women that you know, man, these are just people full of the Spirit. They love the Lord. And they could be a part of this. Number four, what we're going to see is that the leaders clarify the roles and the responsibilities. Therefore, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the Spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. That word to appoint means to assign to a position to bring about an action or change. It means that you're appointing people to do something, to really minister within the needs of the people. You know, that word appoint, it, uh, Pharaoh used it for Joseph to rule over Egypt. And that same word was used by the master in the parable of the talents to set the faithful servants in charge of greater responsibilities. And it was used again, that same word appoint by the author of Hebrews uses it by the appointments by God and his law or the high priest is appointed to represent the people before God. And Jesus has been appointed, as in Hebrews 7.28, as a son made perfect forever. That word, appoint, means to assign a position. And we can't do it hastily, you do it carefully. No better way to do that with involving the people in our church to help do that and minister to those needs. If you felt left out this year or overlooked or unloved, let me tell you something. I love you tremendously. I love this church. Each and every single one of you, you walk in, some of you are far from God and some of you are close to God. But we all go through hardship. The leadership team loves you. And we want to love you. We want you to, to experience the love of Christ through the leadership and the people here. And we're just figuring things out as we go along, to be honest with you. Never planted a church before. Never done that. Uh, we moved into this building almost... Uh, We've been in here maybe 10, 11, 12 times, something like that. And we're figuring this out. Leaders clarify roles and responsibilities. They appoint others to this duty. And it's actually the congregation, the believers are helping in this process. But look what they say in verse uh, 4. The apostles, I love this. I wouldn't be here at North Valley if this wasn't in the Word. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the Word. How did the vision of North Valley come about? Through prayer. How did we get to Phoenix? Through prayer. 
How, how, how have people, 68 people, placed their faith in Jesus Christ? Through the word of God being preached. Good news. You never give up good news for good works. Any church that does that ought to be a parachurch, not a church. A church is always focused on the good news of Jesus Christ, while at the same time never neglecting the good work that must be done. Observation five, the church supports the changes. And what they said pleased the whole gathering, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Paramenus, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. It says that they were pleased. The whole gathering liked the idea. Hey, leaders, you got a great idea. Thank you for involving us. That's a great idea. Here's the people that we think are fantastic and could minister in the needs of the church right now. Number six, leaders commissioned new servant leaders. It says they sat before the apostles and they prayed and they laid hands on them. That idea of laying hands is a conferring of leadership. Um, in the early church, when they laid hands on people, it's also a sign and a symbol where God's Holy Spirit can fill a person up for extraordinary acts of ministry service. That they're being empowered by the Holy Spirit to do works that they just don't have the energy to do. And here's what's going to happen over the next few weeks, you guys are going to select names today. You're going to write those out, put them on there and say, man, this person's made an impact in my life. I've seen how they've ministered. They ought to be a part of this new kind of servant leaders ministry team. And I'm going to talk to those leaders and they're going to say, I don't feel capable. And here's the good news is God takes incompetent people and makes them competent. God takes people that have low talent and low skill and gives them extraordinary skill. That's the divine touch of His favor and His grace that does supernatural kind of things. What we're going to see in, in the storyline, we're going to look in and dive into the life of Stephen next week. I want to encourage you to be there, be here and uh, hear that. But uh, they mentioned Stephen first and then they mentioned Philip and then they unpack the story of these guys and the ministry impact that these men have. Leaders commissioned new servant leaders. They set before the apostles and prayed and laid hands on them. Seventh observation is organizational changes result in exponential impact. That's good. You always want to assess and adjust anything time, any, anytime, anytime things change. The early church had to do this. It was so important. You know, that as, any, as a church, you never want to get married to methodology. You want to get married to the message of Jesus. And here's what they're doing. They're, they're being faithful to preach the good news of Jesus. And then along the way, as the church is growing, they see these needs and they assess and they adjust. Organizational changes result in exponential impact while maintaining good works and good news ministries. Look what it says in verse 7. And the word of God continued to increase, and the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and great many of the priests who became obedient to the faith. Even the priests are coming obedient to the faith. The people that are teaching against the Messiah are coming to faith in Christ. That's awesome. So, you know, here's, here's just one observation I want to make that in chapter 6, verse 7, it was mentioned right there in 1224 and 1920. There's this combination of the word of God being preached and exponential growth of the church. 
I think it's incredibly important. In fact, so important, we're launching a Bible conference on that uh, after Easter this ministry year. It's called, uh, I, I, I don't know, I, I'm too generic. I, I'm not as creative enough. I've just called it the Phoenix Bible Conference so far. And, and other people are like, no, you should call it like Unleashed. And I'm like, okay, that's really cool. But it's, clear, it's not very clear to me. But uh, so, and we have some of the top national leaders. We have some of the top presidents of the seminary from around the country coming in. Uh, Dr. Bailey from Dallas Theological. Uh, Dr. Daryl Delhuse from Phoenix Seminary. And Dr. Young um, from Denver Seminary. And then we have uh, some top ministry leaders right here in the valley that are going to be a part of that. And here's my hypothesis. It's out of these snapshots in the book of Acts is that when the word of God is accompanied with good works, the spirit of God is unleashed to do all his good work. And here's what the church does is they, they assess the situation. They make the changes. They, they, they invite the people that are complaining to be a part of the solution. And it, everybody gets excited because there's a sense of ownership. Here's, here's just a... An idea. It's essential for our church to remove this barrier, bar, remove this organizational barrier as we grow by enlisting new servant leaders. New servant leaders will ensure we are being balanced to do good works and to continue to share the good news so that we reach the North Valley and beyond for Christ. That's what we got to do. That's what we've got to do. We've got to be balanced in that good works and that good news. I don't want to miss the counseling appointments. Uh, you've got a job every single day. I know you do. You've got a team that you work with. You've got a spouse that you're married to. You've got kids that you're, that you're trying to figure out how to raise and love. And the good work in our church is ministering to those needs. That's really good work. But we can never forsake the good news, the message of Jesus. Here's what uh, I want to just help you understand kind of philosophically our, our bent towards ministry. Ephesians chapter 4, 11 through 12 says this, is that God gives the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry for building up the body of Christ. We can't be built up unless believers begin to move into areas of ministry and missions. Here's the big deal about this idea with barriers. The kingdom of God is advancing. And the question is not, how, does the, how can they be clever to make the church grow? The question is, is what's preventing the church from growing? And here we see there's this organizational shift. And they begin to realize the leaders can't do it all. This table's only so big. And eventually as it grows, it's just going to, flow over and, and you just can't do it all. And here in Ephesians is a great picture and understanding why at North Valley we invite everybody to be a part of the ministry uh, for building up the body of Christ. That's the local church. Acts 1.8 is the good kind of paradigm for the uh, book of Acts. It says this, and, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit will, has come upon you and you will be my witnesses. And we've defined witness as simply sharing what you've seen God do in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. The book of Acts right now at this present time in the life of the church is still kind of operating in Jerusalem. And what we're going to see is 
It's, it's some of these guys like Stephen and Philip that the church appoints that begin to move not, and care for not only the ministry needs in Jerusalem, but begin to focus on the mission beyond Jerusalem. And so, all throughout the book of Acts, it's this ever-expansive work of the kingdom of God actively advancing as men and women jump in and began to be a part of the greatest organization in all the world, the local church. What are some indispensable qualities for uh, leaders, servant leaders? These are the kind of the qualities that we're looking for at North Valley. Here's what we're looking for. And I'm going to define servant leader as men and women who take the initiative for the benefit of others. And if you're sharp, you might have noticed, hey, well, they picked out seven men. Why are you talking about women too? Well, here's my hypothesis on that situation. Why didn't they include women in that early formation of those leaders? I'm going to argue that they have not completely figured out what it means to be one in Christ yet. What they, the gospel implications of being one in Christ has not fully sunk in. Because we're talking about later in just a few chapters, the apostle Peter's going to finally get it that the Gentiles, not just the Jews, are included in all of God's blessings and invited into his ministry and the missions of the local church. And so you're talking about they don't have the full... the, the totality of scripture. The revelation is progressively being unfolded in the life of these apostles where the formation of scripture is coming about. I mean, there are still racial issues that are going to be present in the church. There's there's economic issues. There's favoritism. There's all this going on. And then what we're seeing is that these, these people are growing and figuring it out as they move along. And so even on the gender issue later in the apostle... Uh, The Apostle Paul will uh, appoint and discuss and describe Priscilla and Aquila, who is a husband-wife ministry team doing ministry together, and Phoebe in Romans is mentioned as a a minister. And we're going to see even in the life of Jesus, he had ministers that were with him that were women. And so I want to describe, and if you think, man, you you really think that women shouldn't be in leadership, I've got a great uh, research uh, position paper for you. Uh, a friend of mine was a part of this church, served as the uh, executive research assistant to Dr. Wayne Grudem, and we came up with a position paper for women involved in this level of ministry. Elders uh, leading the entire church are specifically called to be men, uh, and, and, and there's multiple reasons why I think we, God decides to do that. Um, we've said at North Valley, we intentionally focus on men because there's a 98% chance if we reach the man, we reach the entire family. Uh, and we see that there's incredible need for that to help engage men into ministry. But here on this level, I'm going to argue that it is absolutely open to men and women. And what we'll see progressively in scripture in the life of the church is women are included in powerful ways uh, to do ministry. So do not exclude women in your selection of uh, ministers for servant leaders at North Valley. Number one, we're looking for people of a good reputation. We're looking for people of a good reputation. It says, therefore, pick out from among you seven men of good repute. That idea of good repute means to be well spoken of. People speak well about you. Or they speak well about this person. And you can select yourself if you'd like to select yourself. To be well spoken of, to be vouched for. 
one who has many witnesses or others that could testify of your testimony, of your reputation. That's what they're talking about here, a good reputation. That's what we're looking for here at North Valley is men and women with a great reputation. There are men and women who take the initiative for the benefit of others. They're looking out for other people and they're taking initiative, not remaining passive, but moving active and saying, oh, there's a, there's, there were 68 new professions of faith in Christ. Could I help disciple one of those guys or those gals? Oh man, that's awesome. Oh, we've had several deaths in our church and people that have passed on. Is there any way that I could help out with counseling or ministering to those people? Oh, there's, there's five new families that have had children. Man, I bet they're going through some hardship. Could we minister along? It's, that's the taking the initiative. Those kind of men and women must be involved in the local church. Not just for the expansive work of good news, but for the good work that's got to happen in here, in my heart, in your heart, in our hearts. So good reputation is incredibly important. Good reputation. Jesus alone could not bear testimony and witness about himself to be validated. There's eight figures that bear witness to the truth about Jesus. John the Baptist spoke about Jesus. He bared testimony about him. God the Father spoke about Jesus. He's validating, vouching for him. This is my son, he says. The scriptures testify about Jesus. Jesus says, I didn't come to abolish the law, but to fulfill the law. They testify about him. The words in the work of Jesus Christ are testimony. They validate him. They give testimony. They spread the name and fame of Jesus. The words and the works of Jesus. The crowds testified about Jesus. They were they were, he was, they were testifying and witnessing to him. The Holy Spirit does that. The disciples as a group did that. John the Evangelist did that. We need men and women, servant leaders of a good reputation. Secondly, the second observation of uh, indispensable qualities of servant leaders in the local church is full of the Spirit. I'm so glad this is here. And I'm glad two words are in that phrase right there. For pick out among you seven men of good repute, full of the Spirit. It did not say empty. It said full. That word full means a quantity of space being completely occupied by something. When people are full of the Spirit, not empty of it, there's just kind of this overflow that kind of goes with them. They go through hardship, they go through tragedy, and somehow it's like they've been spending so much time with God, and they just love God so much, it's just a, it kind of just overflows into their life, into other people's lives. The apostle said, full of the Spirit. When, now, when you pray to receive Jesus Christ, the, the Spirit of God permanently indwells within you. But very clearly, there's a need for filling ongoingly to do active works of ministry and service. When you're going through a hard time, you must pray and say, God, I need you to fill me up to an extra measure just to do your work. The Bible says that he'll never leave you, never forsake you. You're permanently sealed with the Holy Spirit, but this idea of fullness is intentional with the apostles. What we're looking for is for men and women who are not necessarily empty, but they're full. There's a fullness to their life. Doesn't mean they don't struggle, doesn't mean that they don't complain, doesn't mean that they don't hurt. It means... That they're not being filled up simply on a sermon that I preach, but they're being filled up by the Spirit of God Himself, the third person of the Trinity. And they actively walk with Jesus. They talk to Jesus. The idea of being completely filled up is 
These people are, their heart is full of God. And by the Spirit, I, I mean, you know, what's inside of them is a testimony in what, of what comes out. It says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. People that are filled with the Spirit, when the pressures of life begin to stack on, and when they get, they get in a tough time, what comes out of them is love and joy and peace. And you say, that's crazy. And what it is, it's the Spirit of God working in their life. They're walking with Jesus. They're walking in step with the Spirit, constantly saying, God, I'm, I need you. I can't do this alone. I'm asking you to fill me up today. That's the kind of prayer life I lead. Man, my prayer is that if I'm ever empty, empty for a long period of time, that God would remove me from this position of leadership. The last thing you need is a pastor who's drained out and has no zeal and fire for Jesus Christ. What you need is a person in the real deal. What you need is ministry leaders that are full. Here's just a principle. I got to go back to my notes on this one because I don't want to get it wrong. Full people fill people. If you're full, you'll fill up people. Empty people will drain people. Empty people will drain people. Full people will fill people. Why? Because there's an endless reservoir of God's grace, His mercy, His goodness, and His kindness. And unless we go outside of ourselves and go to the Lord, we're never going to be able to help people. What we need more than anything is men and women that have a vibrant relationship. They're filling up not on the Sunday sermon. They're filling up on the Spirit of God day by day. Amen? That's powerful. Number three, what we need is we need practical wisdom in the area of service. We need practical wisdom in the area of service. What this means is wisdom, it literally uh, the Greek word is sophia. And it refers to the quality of having knowledge, skill, and experience in the sense of mastery over a particular subject or trade through the practice and learning. Some things you've got, you've got a sense of, there's, you're just kind of wise. Uh, in this case, situation, likely they're looking for people that can organizationally help socially administrate the problems. The church is not 450, it's several thousand at this point in time in the case study that we're looking at in the book of Acts. They, there, there, had, there had to be administrators a part of that. There had to be people with compassion and care for people. I mean, the worst thing in the world is like a pastor who hates people or ministry leaders that hates people. Like, it's terrible. They need to have a, a, you know, the greatest commandment is love your neighbor. That at least means the people on your street and the people next to you on a Sunday morning. Wisdom it refers to the quality of having knowledge, skill, and experience. Uh, wisdom originates ultimately in God. St. Augustine said it like this, all truth is God's truth. Meaning truth comes from God. If it's true, it came from Him. Wisdom originates in God. God gives it to people such as He gave it in the Old Testament, such as Joseph, incredible wisdom, and Solomon, He gave it to him. Incredible ways. God shows off, it shows, it off, it shows off in Himself. God here gives uh, Stephen wisdom. It's mentioned in the book of Acts. Jesus was filled with wisdom, Luke 2.39. The wisdom of God may appear to be foolishness to the people of the world. But it's not to God. And it's not to other people who know Jesus. 
practical wisdom in the area of service. Here's what I want to encourage you. As, as new servant leaders in the church assisted in, in care ministries, this enabled more ministry all around in the church. And the church continued to increase its size and the number of disciples multiplied greatly. What's a barrier for North Valley right now? What was a barrier for the church in Jerusalem? Was organization. Realizing that as the church is growing, that one lead, uh, a couple leaders can't do it all. That it's got to move from, uh, uh, for, for the whole church being involved and helping minister to those needs. One of the reasons why it's so important for you guys to be here on Sundays is as we have so, so many new believers, I want to connect you with these people. I, I don't have enough time in my day to minister to all the needs. Here's what we're doing. We're actively working to appoint uh, a team leader uh, for a new servant leaders ministry team. And here's what I want you to do. Write out a few servant leaders you know in our church and turn them in today. You can drop it off in the giving box or you can turn it in at guest services. I want you to do that today. And then I promise you this, what we'll do is over the next few weeks, we'll form up that team. And there's no magic number with seven, but that's, you know, that could be a good size. We'll see. And we're looking for men and women that are these things. They have a good reputation. They're full of the Spirit. And they have some practical wisdom in the area of service. Amen? Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your message. Your word is always timeless. And it is so relevant. Thank you, God, for every one of these people. I pray that they know the magnitude of your love for them and how much this church loves them. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening. To become a supporter of North Valley Community Church, give online today at northvalleychurch.org.